Welcome to Next. This is a good day for you to be here, but we're just glad to see all of you. Um, we have a special guest speaker today, and I want to get out of the way as quickly as possible and give her all the time that she needs. But um, before she comes, I just want to say a few things about her. First of all, um, I want you to know that I have a huge amount of respect and appreciation for Casey Watley. Working with her on our praise and worship team, which she leads, it doesn't happen all of the time because we have a pretty amazing team and everyone works well together, but um, it, it sometimes can be a high-pressure environment. doesn't happen very often, but in high-pressure environments, what's in somebody comes out, and what you always see out of Casey is just a lot of professionalism and commitment, and I really respect that. Um, she, she's a good person. Casey is a good person. She has high character. And as a leader, she's always uh, been very transparent, but she's also committed to excellence. And that's something that I really respect. Casey Watley loves Grace Church. And by default, that means that she loves every single one of us. One of the greatest things that I can say about Casey is that she is a prayer warrior. She knows how to pray, she knows how to get a hold of God, and she prays, and she, it is her first instinct to pray, and I appreciate that about her, and on top of all of that, she's a pretty good communicator. Now, she sandbags that just a little bit, but um, she's, she's a pretty good communicator, and you're going to get to hear some of that today, so would you, uh, next, would you join with me today in welcoming one of my favorite people on the planet as she comes up here to deliver her heart, Casey Watley. We love you. We're looking forward to what you have to say today. Good morning, everybody. I'm excited to teach today, and I want to thank Jason for trusting me to, um, or entrusting me to do so here today. And I want to applaud Jason right back. Um, I'm just going to tell you all that planning and preparing material that is relevant, that is well communicated, it's biblical, it's sound, and you can walk right out the doors and apply it, and apply it that day is not an easy task for one lesson, um, much less for every week of the year that Jason does that, and he does it with excellence, and I want to thank him for doing that. Jason and Julia have created a haven of sorts for us to come and attend Sunday school every week and I appreciate that. I look forward to coming to Sunday school and the occasional snacks that we get, that's just icing on the cake. So thank you, Jason, for all that you do and the excellence that you bring. To every, anybody tuning in on podcast, welcome, and I'm glad that you're tuning in today, and I hope today's study is going to benefit you and your family. One of my greatest passions is teaching the Word of God to our two boys if you don't know me, I'm Casey. I have two boys, eight and nine years old, Noah and Joseph. And my hope is that today's study, which is going to involve teaching the Word of God to your family, that it's just going to encourage you and inspire you to be intentional about sharing the Word of God with your family on a very consistent basis. Now, I'm aware that not everybody in here has kids still living at home. Um, some may not have kids yet, some may not even be thinking about having kids, and that's okay, because if this statement applies to you, I don't want you to tune me out, 
Because what the world needs more of is scripturally centered families who are loving and living for Jesus. And we all need the word in our heart that we might not sin against God. And the resources I'm going to share with you today, they could very well enhance your biblical knowledge and bring inspiration to you as an adult in your personal walk with Jesus. So I have to admit to you that there's been many times the lessons that uh, we have shared with our two boys have really spoke deeply to me even though they came through the vein of material that was intended for a kid. So what I have learned is that if your heart is hungry for more of Jesus, that you're going to be fed if you're hungry. So jot down some notes, even if you don't have small kids or even kids living at home, because this could help you as an individual. Jesus likes it when you take notes, but so do teachers and speakers. I'll just be honest with you there. So today I want to talk to you about a Daniel Hart, in a Babylonian world. I love the story of Daniel. Daniel's story is easily probably in my top five favorite Bible stories, so much that we actually considered the name Daniel when I was pregnant with Joseph. So I guess that's a dead giveaway as to what another one of my favorite Bible stories is since we opted for Joseph. Let's look briefly at the backstory of Daniel. I'm not going to go into a terrible amount of details. I know most of us are familiar, but Judah had been overtaken by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, bottom line because they had um, left the worship of the one true God, and they were worshiping idols. So notice in Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 17 and 18, it says, Seest thou not what they do in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, and the fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto other gods that they may provoke me to anger. Before we move on here, I want to make a side note that we have to be very careful as parents, as families, to be very careful of what we engage in. Because one seeming small choice that we make can just point the sails of our family just a little bit and over time, that course, you will end up somewhere you never intended to go. So make sure you catch that. Your decisions can alter a course that your family is going to follow you with. It points the sails of our families, not just ourselves. My family is going to follow me too. So use wisdom and discretion in the word of God to filter every choice that you make through. And always err to the side of caution. In this scripture text that we just read, this was basically families who had turned away from God. And it, it, parents had told their children, go gather wood so we can make a sacrifice to an idol. It was parents' choices that had led their entire family to sin against God. We have to be careful as parents what we engage in. So let's continue. After seizing Jerusalem, Nebuchadnezzar wanted to bring some of the Israelites to the royal family and from no, and uh, I'm sorry, Israelites from the royal family and from nobility to serve in his palace. They were to be taught the Chaldean language and literature. And among those taken were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You probably know them better as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The boys were about 15 years old at this time. And they were taken away from godly, supportive families that were full of faith in a one true God 
only to live in a very wicked culture that is Babylon. Steeped in a culture that elevated sensual pleasure, idol worship, and moral decadence, the Babylonians' focus was on the desires of the flesh. The first order of business for these four teenagers was to change their names. However, the goal was not to ch just to change their names, but it was an attempt to change their identity. This snapshot of Babylon, it just sounds all a little too familiar in what we live in now. Let's continue. Notice on the screen, Daniel's name in Hebrew means God is my judge. But when his name was changed to his Babylonian name, Belshazzar means lady protect the king. Hananiah's name in Hebrew means Yahweh has been gracious. His new Babylonian sh name Shadrach means I am fearful of God. Mishael's name in Hebrew means who can compare to my God? No one. But his new Babylonian name, Meshach, means I am despised, contemptible, and humiliated. And finally, Azariah's name in Hebrew means Yahweh has helped. But his new Babylonian name, Abednego, means the servant of Nebo. These Hebrew teenagers were stripped from their support system. They were thrown into a paganistic culture in a very anti-God environment. Their names and identities were changed. The Babylonians went so far as to change the gender of Daniel's name. Their new names rejected the truth of who God is. What an insult to their faith. But what I want you to notice is in light of all of this, those boys at 15 years old, around 15 years old, they stood tall, they stood strong, they were firm, and their faith did not waver despite their cultural surroundings. Their faith didn't waver despite this new environment that they were living in. Their faith did not waver, notice this, when mom and dad were gone. They stood tall and strong without their God-serving peers. No mom and dad, no youth group, yet they were strong. Notice this, this is commentary from the Holman Study Bible. It reads this, Daniel's determination to remain pure in an apostate culture that did not acknowledge the one true living God is amazing, and it may be attributed to godly parents and quite possibly to godly leaders, such as the zealous King Josiah. It's another one of my favorite Bible stories. Y'all need to check out his story. That's a great one. It was King Josiah's religious reforms that may have, sincere, may have been sincerely heeded by the noble families of Daniel and his friends. Notice the screen on this. This is an important point. The critical value of faithful parents and leaders is underscored. If the next generation is going to be equipped to face challenges of a sinful culture that seduces with promises of greatness in exchange for moral and spiritual compromise, then parents must take their assignment to prepare the next generation very seriously. Pastor noted in his Bible study on August 22nd that you can't have a healthy relationship with God if you are ignorant or unlearned of the Word of God. Hosea 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. 
If we want our kids to have a healthy relationship with God, and we all do, we have to teach them his word on a consistent basis. Let's digress from Daniel just for a moment and consider the story of Moses. First of all, Moses' mom exemplified an ultimate trust in God when she took her three-month-old baby boy, put him in a basket, and sent him floating down the river. What an incredible example for us today, what she did. After Pharaoh's daughter found Moses, she needed someone to nurse him. We all know the story. Moses was returned right back into the arms of his mother for nurture and care. But notice this. Could it be that God allowed Moses to return back to Jochebed because he knew he could trust her to fulfill her spiritual duty as a parent? If we were placed in that same scenario, would God send our child back to us? Or would he have to send them to somebody else to find somebody else to teach that child in his ways? In Moses' culture and time, babies were weaned somewhere between the ages of two and five years old. So Jochebed knew that she only had a very small amount of time with her son, not only to nurture his body, but to nurture his faith in God and give him a foundation in truth. Notice Hebrews eleven twenty four through 26. We're going to read in the NIV. It says, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasure of sin. He thought that it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures in Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. This is coming from the kid who was raised in the grandest palaces of Egypt. He had wealth. He had the world at his feet. He was studied in the Egyptian way. Acts 7.22 says, And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. He turned away from all of that because he was looking ahead to a great reward. Wow. Oh, that Jochebed could have written a few chapters in the Bible to give us some really good parenting advice on teaching our kids. Dads, you're not off the hook. Ephesians 6, 4, I'm going to read the ESV translation today, says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, which we're familiar with that. But listen to the second part of this. It says, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Consider Joseph. His faith in God endured betrayal from his family, slavery, false accusations, and a prison sentence, despite the fact that he was innocent. And he didn't have mom pouring into him. But in this case, it was his father. Dads, don't think that working hard and providing a good living for your family means that all the dad boxes can be checked off for the day. It is the responsibility of both parents to teach and train their kids so that they can have a firm biblical foundation. And so more importantly, these kids have been properly introduced to their heavenly father. So what's the big deal, Casey? Why, why are you making such a big to-do about this? Well, 
Notice the scripture in Revelation chapter 20, verse 12. It says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Is anybody familiar with this verse? Everybody's heard it. It's not a trick question. I'm not going to call you out if you raise your hand. The books that we're going to be judged by are the books of the Bible because that is our guide from here to heaven. And I've read that scripture before and I, I apply it to myself that I need to get in the word. I need to study. I need to know it. But it occurred to me that this scripture also applies to my kids as well as myself. So how can my kids know what these books say and mean if I'm not teaching them to them? If your answer is Sunday school, I want you to consider this math. I'm not a math person. I don't like charts and graphs and all that, but these statistics are pretty mind-boggling. Notice this a report by CNN in 2017 that kids who are up to age eight, spend an average of two and a half hours in front of a screen every day. Kids who are eight to 12 spend an average of four and a half hours in front of a screen every day. And tweens, they spend an average of six hours in front of a screen every day. That is disturbing. In addition to that, Let's factor in the average school day. It's about, give or take, seven hours a day. And then you throw in some aftercare, before and aftercare comes. That can range from a couple of hours a day, two to three. So let's add all that up. The average five- to seven-year-old during school puts in 52 hours a week of school and screen time. Just school and screen time. The average 8 to 12-year-old puts in 62 and a half hours a week of school and screen time. And a tween spends about 70 hours a week of school and screen time. And that doesn't even account for our after-school programs, little league, ballet, music lessons, etc. And if we're doing good, we might spend about an hour rushing through dinner, tackling homework, zipping them through bath time, and lights out. So most kids put in a 52 to 70-hour work week during school. That includes their screen time. A work week that is revolving around things that are not God-centered. So after 52 to 70 hours of all of this, we put our biblical education stock in a 40-minute Sunday school lesson One day a week, that's assuming we bring our kids faithfully to Sunday school. 40 minutes a week. And we hope that that 40 minutes a week is going to form this really strong, solid, Bible-based foundation for our kids. As I said earlier, I'm a right-brain person. Numbers and charts, they they don't interest me. But these statistics absolutely blew my mind. And here's what we need to understand, and here's what I want to communicate to every single one of you here today. Here's the message. You do not have to bow down to these statistics. You do not have to bow down to a culture that is inundated with busyness. You do not have to bow down to complacency. You do not have to bow down to a culture that places value on being an absolute workaholic and neglecting your family. 
All of these cultural lies are straight from the mouth of the devil because he is cunning and he is clever and he knows if I can just break down the family unit, the rest will just crumble from there. We need to bow up as families here today and say, no, we've been filled with the Holy Ghost. We've been empowered by the Spirit of God who's already overcome all of those lies and tricks. We need to stand up and say, nope, my family is not going to be a statistic. You can raise a Daniel. Yes, you can. You can raise another Moses despite living in a sin-sick culture. Yes, you can. All right, all right, I'm on board. So where is the starting point? I want to engage this. I want to teach my family. The starting point is so simple. And last week, Sister Jennifer Matthews got all over this, my text really for today. I wish that she would have made her presentation today because it would have been a really great follow-up to this next lesson, but that's all right. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 7, we're going to get our step 1 and 2 out of this scripture. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Let's look at these verses, just 6 and 7 in the NLT. Here's our first step. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Step one, notice the first part of that verse. We have to commit ourselves as parents, as the lead leaders of our households, to wholeheartedly embrace the commands in the word of God. Parents, families, Adults here today, it starts with us. More is caught than is taught. And if you want to raise kids with a firm foundation and a love for God and a love for his word, then it's got to be exemplified in you first. We heard in the scripture earlier, it's not just for parents, but also for leaders. It's got to start in us first. Notice this quote by James Baldwin. He said, Children have never been very good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. We are instructed to teach the Word of God to our children all throughout the day. This is the model. This is the guide. This is step two. First, we embrace it in ourselves. Secondly, we teach it to our kids multiple times throughout the day, every day. You know your family schedule best, so just come up with a plan that works best for you. I'll share with you our model of what we have done with our kids. We, I carpool. I, get in, I, I bring my kids to and from school, and it would have been really easy to put them on the bus, but I couldn't because of what we do in the car every morning on the way to school. I'm going to bring them because this isn't just car time driving to school. This is the utmost of quality time, and I guard it and protect it over me just being convenienced. In the morning, on the way to school, you have a captive audience. 
that's sometimes the best places to have chats. Not, I mean, not just with your kids, with your spouse, all that kind of stuff, because you're, you're captive in the car and you can't run away. So in the morning, as we back out of our garage, y'all, I'm going to tell you our routine, and we, we are sometimes boring. Monday through Friday, we liven it up as best as we can on Saturdays and Sundays for my family. Monday through Friday, I'm going to run you through this, and you can set your clock. We're very consistent. It's every day. Like I said, we might be a little boring, but this is what to expect. As we back out of our garage every single day, we pray every day. Yes, there's often days when they have so many other things to chit-chat about in the car. But those are not, those things and those topics, they are not going to trump our prayer time. I love what Sister Melanie Tipler said in one of our Tuesday morning prayer sessions. This is our appointment with God, and we're not missing it. So save the question, save the comment, guys. We're going to talk about it later. After our prayer time, we listen to a Bible story. And if you have not discovered this resource, do yourself a favor and engage it. You can see a nice, great picture on the screen. It's called The Bible in Living Sound. It is available on iTunes. And let me really catch your attention. It's cheap. My mom grew up listening to these stories on records. Yes. Let me go ahead and age myself since I just threw her up under the bus. We grew up listening to them on cassette tapes. My brother likes to share stories. He's like, man, I was such a little nerd. I was like this little dorky kid wanting to do right. And if y'all know our family dynamic, you know he is the golden one. He said, I remember at night, that was the time we listened to him at home. He'd say, Mom, they're telling us, go to bed, go to bed, go to bed. Mom, is it okay if I just listen to one Bible story? (laughs) I was a good kid, okay? When you have a brother like that, I was just normal and average. He makes you look worse than what you actually were. Can I listen to a Bible story? What parent? No, you can't. Go to bed. They're like five to seven minutes per Bible story. Anyway, love you, Marcus. Now they're available on CD for $50 an album, and it's six albums that covers the whole Bible. I started investing in these when I was pregnant with Noah. But now they're available on iTunes for $10 an album. And you can download them to your phone and have them immediately. So for 60 bucks, you can put the whole Bible in a nice, friendly kid format of Bible stories onto your device and listen to it every day. They are incredibly accurate stories. And y'all, I have, I have gotten so much inspiration from listening to these stories, and I've relearned Bible stories that aren't common. Like the lady who, I forget his name, it's been a while. We covered this earlier in the, New, in the Old Testament. She's not popular, but she, she caught a guy in her tent, and, and she nailed his head to the floor. You listen to that at 7 o'clock in the morning on the way to school, and you're like, what? That happened? This will help you, adults. It has helped me. And I've been raised, you you know, y'all know my parents, been raised in a pastor's home, but there's some of those stories, man, you forget about them. You can't remember all of them. That's why you got to read it every day. You got to get into it every day. You're not going to remember it. Get into it every day. Kids or not, if you want to enhance your Bible education, you need to get these. 
So what are they? It's basically like watching a movie with no picture in front of you. It's animated voice, not animated voices, it's voices with these sounds in the background. You hear them walking, you hear them, uh, you know, and hit the nail or she just nailed his head to the floor and all that kind of stuff. You get all the sound effects. It's like watching a movie with your eyes closed. And they're excellent. And that's good for your kids because it makes their brain create the picture. See, this helps them all the way around and it helps you too. Invest in the Bible and living sound. Guys, these are awesome. Awesome presentation and it's easy. You don't have to prepare. Every day you get up, you don't have to prepare anything. All you got to do is hit play. I'm taking your excuses away. Why don't my kids know more about God? That 40 minute once a week or every other week, however often I bring my kids, it's just not cutting it. I'm going to take away your excuses. You don't have to do any preparing. You got to invest about 60 bucks and play it. That's all you got to do. You're a facilitator at this point. So easy. It's so easy. After Bible stories and we sit in carpool, I read from a book. It's called Sticky Situations. And I'm pretty sure Amy is the one who shared this with me a long time ago. It's one short paragraph, and it makes up a scenario, and it asks the child, what's the best course of action to resolve the conflict that was in the paragraph? And, of course, the answers are Bible-based. Read about that. Teach them. This is what the world says to do. Oh, yeah, you do me wrong, I'm going to do you wrong. No, that's actually incorrect. Get some realistic situations and scenarios. Read to them. What does God say to do? Chris and I had this conversation the other day. We were talking, and it's so easy to say, well, in, in, if we're going to do this, then we're going to do this. And I said, well, hold up. You know, is, but is that what God wants us to do? not about sinning or not what we were talking about what is God's way what is God's preference of how we should live our lives it's almost like I should have brought a pair of sunglasses up here you take the word of God and you put them right in front of your eyes you put it in front of your eyes every day so that every single decision that I am making is being filtered through what does God want me to do and y'all it is so easy for us as adults as Christian adults to get so caught up what culture gets in our head Oh, well, we're just going to do this. But that's not what God would do. God don't go getting up in people's business on Facebook and blast them out of the water with judgment and condemnation. What are we thinking? Don't get caught up in all that. That's a cultural lie. You don't need to just blow up Facebook. Be a good example to your kids. Be that person who, if you're going to get on there and talk, show them what it means to show mercy and compassion not raking these people over the coals. Their business ain't even our business anyway. Mind our own business. Oh, it's getting hot in here, Jason. I'm glad you didn't turn the air down. <laughs> At night when it's bedtime, we read a Bible story from our kids' Bible. And, y'all, there's a ton of these. Get on Amazon. Find one that's age-appropriate that, that they can understand. And then after their Bible, we've gone through probably two or three of them of a kid's Bible. And then after that, we engage some sort of devotion. And there's some really good kid devotions out there. Currently, we're reading Indescribable by Louis Giglio. And y'all, it is great. It says it's for kids, but I have thoroughly enjoyed it. There's a hundred devotions in there. We're on round two. We finished it. We started over again. And it, he gives a scientific fact 
which if you like science, and I think it's cool to learn about all that kind of stuff, he tells you a scientific fact and then shows you and reminds you that God created that, God made that, and then parallels it in some sort of way to our relationship with God. That's a great devotional that we read every night. It's not, like I said, it's not just good for the boys, it's good for us too. And then on Monday evenings, we go through a lesson, or sometimes half of a lesson, of just a good old search for truth Bible study. And y'all, that like I said, my kids are eight and nine. They may not catch it all. They may not understand it all in their age, but I promise you they are learning a lot. Do not discredit your kids. They are smarter than what you think. Your little two-year-old that runs the household, you need to give them credit for being smarter than what you think they are. They can pick up on things. They learn and understand. Don't wait until your kids are 16, 17, 18 years old to start teaching them a Bible study. Teach them now. Like I said, they may not catch it all, but I promise you they're going to learn something. And when we finish... We just start all over again, and they absorb something more every time. I'm not going to put my stock in a 40-minute Sunday school lesson. I love our Sunday school teachers, and we've got some incredible ones, and I appreciate them, and they do an excellent job, but they were not tasked with the responsibility to teach my kids. When Noah and Joseph came into this world, that is my job, not theirs. Y'all know I love my pastor. I might be a little biased, but I'm not depending on him to teach my kids the Word of God. He's going to enhance what they already know. They're going to hear it from me. I don't want my kids to grow up being in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, even 60s and have, and have never gone through a Bible study, and they don't know. They're going to hear it from me. If they don't know, then it's not on me. They need to go back and, and relearn it that I don't want that to happen to my kids. It's my responsibility, and God is going to hold me accountable for that as a parent. This method that I've shared for you, this is what works for us, but I want to encourage you, find what works for your family. This isn't rocket science here. It's easy. Just figure out your schedule. Figure out what works. There's so many resources at your fingertips if you will just take time to look. If you're perusing through Amazon, look up some good teaching material for your kids on the Bible. There's also some great parents sitting here today. They're experienced, and they could give you some really good advice. And I'll take this beyond kids here. If you don't have kids, go out to eat with some people who've been married 15, 20 years and get some good advice. You can at least get some good what not to do. But if you have kids, schedule a sitter to watch your kids. Go on a double date with some of these other parents and let them share some of their experience with you. Guys, we have learned, Chris and I have learned so much from some of our nearest and dearest friends who've already been there. They're a couple steps ahead of us and their kids and their family with the ages and whatnot. And we take what they say to heart. They're good parents. And we learn from them. Soldiers do not win wars. Armies do. Get some lessons through the experience of other people around you. And you've got a gold mine sitting in this room right here. Find out what works. Find out what doesn't. Use your resources. Make, make, a, make an accountability thing for yourself. 
You have to match all of your social media time spent with time spent getting things for your kids. So if you're on Facebook for an hour, get online for an hour and just do all this reading and researching. See how much you can accomplish doing that, how many things you can find. When our boys were little, before they started school, we bought a flanograph board. Anybody learn Bible on a flanograph board? You know, technology, I'm just not going to let it steal some things away. We bought a kit. This has been probably seven, eight years ago. So maybe they've come down in price, but it's okay. We invest in all kinds of junk that you just end up throwing away anyway. So $60 ain't nothing to go buy some Bible stories for your kids. We bought a kit by Betty Lukens, and it came with a teacher's manual, and all you got to do is read the manual. It's got each lesson mapped out. You can add to it if you want, but I'm, I'm taking away your excuses. There's no prep time. You just open up the book. Kids, we're on lesson one. I'm going to get the little Moses guy, whatever that's made out of, and it sticks to the board, and we're going to learn about him today. My kids, my technology kids, they loved it. It was a hit because they would take the little figures and stick them on the board so they're staying engaged with me, and it wasn't this long, painful process of fussing and fighting and all that kind of thing. They enjoyed it. My techie kids, they like technology. They can't help it, but they love that flanograph board. Get one. Now, I will advise you, get, get some of your close friends and family because there's, depending on what kind of kits you get, there's like a million pieces to cut out, <laughs> and you're going to need help. But that's okay. Have a Friday night party with some of your friends and family over. Get them to help you cut the pieces out, and you're good to go after that. You only got to do it one time. Open up that teacher's manual and read it. You don't have to go create a Sunday school lesson. Just read it. If we want to have children with character, honesty, morality, that know how to live a Christ-centered life, then we have got to teach them the Word of God in word and in deed. This is how to have a Daniel heart in a Babylonian world. So is all this teaching going to guarantee me a kid who's going to be perfect and never walk away from God? <laughs> no. There's no guarantees for what choices they're going to make. But there is another guarantee that we can read about in Proverbs 22 and 6, to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Many misunderstand this scripture to mean that if you train up a child in the ways of God, then they're never going to walk away from God. But that's not the case. If your child makes the choice to walk away from God, they're never going to depart from what you taught them. Your teaching gives them a truth to return to if they so choose. The question to ask yourself is, if my kid walks away from God, God forbid, will they have a foundation of truth to walk back to? If the answer is no, then start teaching now. Don't let lost time discourage you, mom and dad and families. That's a trick. That's a lie. Believing that it's too late is a lie. Don't buy into it. In conclusion, if you're here today, your kids are grown, they're out on their own. Don't think that your job is over. I will tell you here and now, mom and dad, that your influence is never going to end. And if your kids are not serving God today, I want to give you some encouragement. Your dedicated and consistent walk with Jesus is a loud voice shouting in their ear every time they see you. I'm inspired 
to watch my two parents serve God week in, week out, good times, bad times, doesn't matter. They keep living for God. I watch that. I note that. Keep showing the mercy of God. Keep praying for your family. God sees and God hears, and he is working on behalf of your family. I'm telling you, he is. Pour the word of God into yourself, step one, and then into your family, step two. Let's bow our heads before Jason comes. I want to pray. Jesus, we're so thankful to know you here today, and we're so thankful that you have left us 66 books of your words. And those words are for us, they're for our kids, and they're for anybody who wants to hear them and learn them. Those words are packed with power and with hope and with love. And today I just pray that you would start a fire in the heart of everyone here today, everyone who is listening, to search the scriptures, to hide them in our heart, to sow them into the seeds of the heart, sow them into the hearts of our family. I pray that when families make the choice to teach your word, that you would shield them from the attack of the enemy, God. Be the strength in our weakness. Be the loudest voice in our ear that reassures, reassures us that we can raise a Daniel. We can raise a Moses. We can be the next Jacobed. We can be the next Jacob, God. I pray that you would help us to be consistent, to lead by example example and to center our homes and our life choices around your word. I thank you God for loving loving us and for empowering us and I pray all of these things in Jesus name. Amen. The resources I've given you today they're going to be coming through the next remind app. y'all remember that? There's a screen that we have if you're not signed up you can get signed up and I'll share a couple of the things that I went over today that you can engage in.